Welcome to the latest episode of Five on the Floor on the Five Reasons Sports Network. Thanks for joining us on your favorite podcast app. We're now on Red Circle instead of Podbean. We're also, though, of course, on Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and more. You can also find us on the Five Reasons YouTube channel, but you can find a lot more than just us. Tons of Dolphins content, tons of Heat content, Hurricanes, all of our live shows. Make sure you subscribe. Just go, type in Five Reasons when you go to YouTube. Also, FiveReasonsSports.com. New articles. We're going to talk about one of them today by Brady Hawk. Also, Mateo Mayorga has got an article on there. Actually, he's got two new articles about the heat, and we do not have a paywall. Why are we going to charge you to read stuff? Who came up with that silly concept? Also, check out the great sponsors of the Five Reasons Sports Network. That includes Mobile C-Arm and Staffing Services. It's Mobile C-Arm and Staffing Services. That's our guy, Nelson, a big fan of the podcast here. Great guy, and he can get you the C-Arm equipment on a short and long-term basis that you need. They rent that equipment to hospitals, surgery centers, chiropractic offices, and pain management offices. They also got cadaver lab courses. So they service office-based procedures, pain management offices, chiropractic offices, cadaver courses. They rent out the C-Arm equipment to an office. They also send out an X-ray technologist to run the machine. So reach out to Nelson. Here's his number, 561-891-9620. I'll go slower this time. 561 891 Nine six two zero, and again, it's www.c for car dash arm and staffing.com. That's c dash arm and staffing.com. Fill out the form, Nelson will get right back to you. And now, today's episode. Down Five on the floor, ride for my dogs. Where here's the thing, you can check the score. Hustle hard, couple scars, wearing bubble frogs. Just like Buckley said, you in trouble, y'all. Kept the floor plan, got an all band. Y'all seen the block, stop the one hand. And Pat, we trust, it's power, have the guts. We're here to bring the heat, y'all can hang it up. Welcome to Five on the Floor, a daily insider show on the Miami Heat and the NBA featuring Ethan Skolnick, Greg Sylvander, and Alex Toledo, plus others from the Five Reasons Sports Network. All right, Ethan Skolnick back on Five on the Floor. We got three people here today. All of us were there in Section 106 last night watching the Heat win and even their record at 7-7. Jimmy Butler with the late block on Devin Booker. They come back from, what was it, 13 down late in the fourth quarter. And one of those wins that you could feel in the locker room a little last night, I did get a chance to go in the locker room, and you just felt like relief. And I'm not saying that they think they're done, that getting to 500 when you were a shot away from the NBA Finals was the goal this year. But you have to get there to get anywhere else, okay? And they've got a pretty difficult slate with, with some challenging road games coming up. It's a little easier on the front end than it's going to be on the back end of the next 10 games. You didn't want to go into that six and eight. You obviously got taken overtime by Charlotte three games ago. That didn't look so great. Then you, you play a much better game against Charlotte after that. And then a Suns team without Chris Paul, uh, you know, which obviously is a big deal without Cam Johnson, but a Suns team that still knows their system. They were, they were running their system well against Miami last night. It looked like the heat were going to lose that game. The heat gave up 20 offensive rebounds, they did benefit from giving up only four free throws. Monty Williams was not happy about that, but we're actually going to talk about what played into that. So this is an episode you won't hear anywhere else. I promise you that um, we're going to get into the, the heat's defensive system. And so the floor plan tonight, again, I got Brady Hawk and I've got Alex Toledo and I'm going to start here with what I was talking to Gabe Vincent about and Caleb Martin about in the locker room. 
And Gabe was basically saying this when, when I, I asked him about the free throw shooting and the lack of free throw shooting on the other side. And actually I asked Kyle the same thing. And they talked about forcing the other team to take the kind of shots that they want them to take. And what Gabe told me was, he says, just watch the tape on campaign on Cameron Payne, who was filling in last night for Chris Paul, just watch the tape on that. Cause that's the way we want to play defense. Brady, I brought this information to you. You looked at the, the tape on this, not just from this game, but now looking back in it from the past couple of games, how are they trying to play defense? Yeah, so I'll start by saying that this usually feels like a zone philosophy that uh, you try to get the ball in the middle of the floor and force push shots. This is basically the entire theme here is getting into the middle of the floor and throwing those one-handed floater push shot types. Uh, and it's funny because you brought up Gabe and it was something I asked him about after the Hornets game where I was asking him about the zone and he was kind of just bringing up that it was just teams can't figure it out and that's the reason they like it. And when I brought up those push shots, he was basically saying uh, that's the stack guys upstairs. Like that was what he said. He like, quote, unquote, like it, they, the stack guys tell you that that's the shot you want. He's like, it's a win for our, our defense and it's a loss for their offense. Like they make it or not. But the thing is, it's not a zone philosophy. Like what they're doing now and they're showing is that even in their man concepts, they want you to get to that, that those spots on the floor. When it's Devin Booker, they're not doing that. When it's Devin Booker, they're staying on you. They're switching. They're going to go under the screen. They're going to go over the screen. But when it's campaign, when it's Terry Rozier, when it's Kelly Oubre, they're going to basically change things up. And, and the way this feeds into is that they're going into more drop. Uh, with Bam specifically, and it's something I've wanted them to do for a while. It just keeps Bam close to the rim for rebounding. Just because Bam is amazing at, at guarding opposing teams, point guards, and shooting guards does not mean he uh, – what makes him truly elite is that he can do that while also being elite in drop, while also being elite in zone, while also being elite showing and recovery. Uh, so they're basically going – and what they did the campaign was that they were going to go over the screen because they were not going to allow three – is threes and pull-up threes and being comfortable – Bam was going to play as deep a drop as possible. He's going to stay on the roller, just eliminating the pass. And Payne's not going to be able to go to the rim because they're going to force that middle-of-the-lane push shot. Uh, there was funny because a little bit later in the game, about like three minutes left, Payne tried to get all the way to the rim. And Caleb and Bam both got a block a piece. Like, they both got a piece of it and knocked that bounce. Like, that shows you what they're trying to get to. Uh, and campaign was just really inefficient. So it's funny because at the time, we're like, okay, uh, we're so focused on the fact that Kyle on Aiton happens from time to time where Aiton gets an easy bucket like early in the game. But it's such a minor part of what's actually happening defensively. Like the fact that we're seeing that, but we're also seeing zone, we're also seeing drop. Like the fact they're actually mixing it up now, it feels like that's – they're finally getting to like what they want to get to, I guess, in their base in, in general. So uh, I think these last three games – this is a three-game win streak, but the last three games it's really picked up. We've seen it a couple times. Uh, and I, we kept talking about the zone like it was a personnel thing, which I still think it is. Like they're playing more zone because they don't have the bigger guys and they can't guard straight up at times off switches. But I think part of the reason we've seen so much zone to begin the season is because it was kind of telling – it was kind of the team adjusting to this new play style of the middle of the floor shots. Because the last thing I'll add in is that usually when you like learn to play zone, they always say like flash middle. Uh, and if you flash middle, you pretty much break the zone. But the thing about the heat zone compared to like my others, like high school travel, anything you've ever played is that like when the guy gets the ball in the middle floor, usually the zone pinches in and they like go to the ball and then sprays out to the corners and the wings. And then all of a sudden threes are flying. This heat team doesn't pinch in like they're saying, okay, you have the ball wide open in the middle of the floor. 
make a play. Like you're going to have to make the play one-on-one. We have Bam Adebayo, arguably the best defender in the league sitting right there. Try to make a tough push shot. If you hit it, and if you hit it consistently win the game, then you take the win in the regular season because it's not going to happen often. All right, there's a lot to get into there, Alex. Okay, so let, let's let's start with this because when you talk about teams and, and the zone and how you attack the zone, typically I get this vision of Al Horford uh, sitting right in front of the free throw line, right? Like just picking the heat apart, right? Because that's that's what can happen in those situations. Yep. But But the adjustment that has been made, and Brady hit on it, this is a marriage between analytics and strategy. Those things don't always play together. The coach doesn't always embrace those two things. But it's basically using the numbers, which essentially, I guess, at this point, I would have to assume are telling Eric Spolster and the rest of his staff, because he does work with analytics, but he's not a slave to analytics. I've had many conversations with Spo about this. The one thing that Spo always told me, he says, if I was a slave to analytics, Udonis Hazen would not have played in that playoff series against the Pacers when he shot eight of nine twice. Okay, because all the analytics were telling me not to play UD there. Dwayne and LeBron wouldn't even have played together at all in the 2014 and 2013 postseasons because all of the numbers showed that they were better with one of them off the floor. Okay. That they were not good together, mostly because Dwayne had broken down at that stage. Okay. And they were tripping over each other, but this does appear to be a situation where they've looked at the analytics and in addition to their personnel, it's telling them, okay, we don't want to give up a bunch of threes. Okay. We don't want to give up a bunch of stuff at the rim, okay, which is kind of the the Milwaukee philosophy, right? We talk about that a lot. We don't want to give up a lot of stuff at the rim. We don't want to give up free throw attempts. We want to be sound. So you want to take that floater? Take that floater. But we're going to make sure that the floater is being taken by guys we want taking it. We don't want Devin, as Brady just says, we don't want Devin Booker taking it. We want Cam Payne taking it. Does this make sense with their personnel as it is? Absolutely. And I've just loved to see the the stuff that Spo has already adjusted with. And, you know, Brady got into all of it there. And it's kind of rare, not that Spo doesn't adjust because we've seen him adjust his game plan throughout these seasons, even in the Jimmy era. But the thing is that they've gotten into that early turmoil. They were four and seven. All of a sudden, three games later, things don't feel as bad. And I just think it's because Spo was more willing to mess around and kind of shift away from what their base has been the past, I don't know, uh, two seasons or so. I mean, because uh, they've kind of been switching since the beginning of the 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 2020-2021 season. Um, I'm, I'm getting my years confused because of the bubble stuff, but they were also switching in the bubble. So it's not that they're not switching anymore. It's that he's being selective about when to switch versus when to drop. He's throwing the drop back in there after not seeing it, you know, it's too much. And not that that's going to be their base defense now, but he's I think he's looking at it more as a, a problem solving thing, which I think he kind of waits to the playoffs typically to to get into right into specific matchups and trying to like last night. Right. It's Devin Booker is out there. No, Chris Paul. Obviously, the game plan is going to be stop Devin Booker. But at the end of the day, I'm going to throw that in there. They're not, you know, getting off of their guys and allowing quite as many unnecessary wide open threes if they're not having to rotate as much if you're keeping bam closer towards the rim you're not giving up quite as many offensive rebounds not that you know last night that was still an issue when they did switch right and i think this is part of them trying to figure out and spo trying to figure out what is the best way to utilize this roster because it's like last night you saw a little bit of both right like you saw the zone well i should say three you saw the zone you saw the drop you saw the switch and it was on you know different scenarios right and 
Um, Brady got into it. Also, John Jablanca from Heat Beat got into it. And shout out him. He always does great um, threads on Twitter. And it was just getting into like, you know, they were switching when Booker was the one, you know, coming off the screen and roll. And that's how Aiden got those early seals. And, you know, a lot of times the Suns weren't getting him the post-entry passes. But more than that, he was getting easy offensive rebounds and putbacks off of that. So you see the flaws when they switch. And I'm, I'm not just trying to be down on the switching. It's just the fact of the matter is they have one of the smallest rosters in the league. And so it's really hard to do that versus a giant like DeAndre Aiden who will take advantage. But like the it's always been about like, what are we going to allow as, as a team? Right. And so I think when you're switching back and forth between game plans like that, you're throwing teams off and you're, you're making it harder for them to, I think, diagnose and figure out what they want to do. You're constantly having to switch it up. And I think they have the personnel to drop more. I think Gabe, Caleb are just great at screen navigation. You know, Kyle could be better, but having Bam closer to the rim, knowing he's your only, big other than Deadman, and you know they drop when Deadman's on the floor too like it's simple but it works man like they don't have to rotate quite as much and the margin for error I think isn't as tight well Kyle kind of touched on that yesterday without he wasn't really the one who gave it away but he did talk about Bam being closer to the basket let, let me go through a few devil's advocate things here okay so I'll start with you Brady so they give up we, we did mention it they didn't switch as much but Lowry got locked in you know, in the paint on eight and three times, and it was three baskets and nobody can blame Kyle for that. Okay. Um, but eight and finished with only 16. It's, it's not like he killed them, right? Like part of that is because Phoenix doesn't go to him enough. That's a consistent problem for them. But a couple of things, the heat did give up 20 offensive rebounds. Is any of first thing, can you win like that <laughs> consistently? And is, does this defense is that playing into giving up the offensive rebounds or is it actually a way to counter it? Yeah. I mean, if you're dropping consistently, that's definitely the way to counter it because then you have some of your better rebounders close to the rim. Uh, can you win consistently like that? Probably not because they got, they played almost a perfect game offensively in that game. Like they played from, and maybe that third quarter, late third quarter, early fourth quarter stretch was kind of their tail off. But everywhere else, they played really good offensively. And in the fourth quarter, they played pretty perfect defensively. So that's kind of the counter to being out-rebounded offensively in that way. So can they do that consistently? Probably not. But this is the way to do it. Like, my thing is that they have to have selective switching in terms of, like, in the end of the game, there was there was times where they did switch late in the game. It was actually, like, three straight possessions. It was the one that the first bam and one where he ran the floor, Jimmy switched on to Biombo. Uh, and he got the kind of the, the swipe steal and bam went in transition and got it. That's a win for Miami. Like when Jimmy Butler is on Bismack Biombo, you're taking that matchup and bam's on Booker. That is a matchup you'll win. When it's the first quarter and Kyle's on Aiton, now you're scrambling and now it's it's kind of a mess. So it's kind of just personnel based that they have to just kind of selective uh, switch in that way. Late in the fourth quarter, I think some of it is the fact that they're still smaller. They're out there with a smaller lineup, but some of it was just bad, bad bounces. Like they got a couple offensive rebounds where the ball's just coming off the rim. Guys like Craig are just in the right spots and they're getting just more opportunities. But uh, so that's credit to their defense. That they're well, still Jimmy's able to get last those. I mean, I mean the last possession with Jimmy's, you know, remarkable block and then recovery, yeah. which I, I'm, I'm more taken with the recovery than the block. The block was amazing, but that's a reaction play. The, the fact that Jimmy was able to kind of get himself back up and then get up on Booker without fouling him in so that the defensive players do.
I, it, but it was that was remarkable. But I, I'll just say this about that: it, and they gave up an offensive rebound on that possession, like it, 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 right? I mean, it yeah. ended up. I mean, they were in that situation because of the offensive rebound. But let me go to you on this, Alex, because we talked about this as we were leaving the arena yesterday. If Chris Paul plays, can they use that strategy? Because the strategy was basically make campaign beat us with floaters. And he's not a bad player, but he's not a Hall of Famer. It's a little bit different. Like if Chris Paul is playing, are we even talking about this? No, no, I don't think they will be running the campaign <laughs> defensive game plan for Hall of Famer Chris Paul. No, I don't think so. Who's who will absolutely kill you in that area, who wants to shoot in that area, even if they're not floaters. He that's where he wants to shoot from. So no, but that's the thing, right? It's that you saw like Brady was talking about there, not only the selective switching, selective dropping, like they were again, not that it always worked, but switching with Booker, dropping when it wasn't Booker, uh, you know, coming up on the screen. I, I mean, I think you got to imagine if Chris Paul was there, they would have been running something similar to what they were doing with Booker, where you would have seen Jimmy and Bam match up onto, onto him a little bit more. They wouldn't have allowed those easy shots, but that doesn't take away from the zone coverage and the defensive principles that we've been talking about this show where they're not, you know, um, pinching in as much and allowing all the open threes. Like they can still do that stuff because Chris Paul will absolutely slice and dice you up if you try to, you know, pinch in and, and, and make it easy for him to make those reads. I just think these adjustments and them kind of going back to their defense, not that it's been there throughout entire games, because that's kind of my thing, right? Like I'm glad they're, they're going back to defending and it has been, you know, very good to, uh, to close games the past few, but like they got to do this from the beginning of the game and they had a good start, right? Like the, the other night, but I just think they have to maintain that because if, when they're not defending first, you know, I think they rely a little bit too much on their jump shots. And I just want to give them credit because I was looking up their, you know, the half court offensive rating that they've been allowing. And it's been really good over the past three games, man. Obviously it's three wins, but just to go game by game in the first Hornets game, 97.8 for the Hornets in the half court uh, offensive rating. Second Hornets game, 105.7. Last night, 92. And the best half court defensive rating in the league is the Bucks, by far, by the way, at 106. In the last three games, the Heat are at 98.5 average. Obviously, it's a three-game sample size. Not that this is going to hold for a whole season, but it's just good to see them get back to that identity. Like, I just think it makes it so much easier on themselves. And they get out in transition. Like, Bam, you know, got a bunch of easy transition points, getting out like a freight train there last night. And it just makes it easier on him when he doesn't have to, you know, all the shot creation isn't just in the half court when things are bogged down. It's good to just go out there and get some easy ones because of the defense. And they got some easy ones, even while giving up 20 offensive rebounds, which is not easy to do. Uh, they also did it against the Phoenix team, which is supposed said last night, even without two of their starters, they run their stuff. So I saw, so, I mean, they, by the they, way, they, one, one more quick stat here, the Suns last night took 43% of their shots from mid range. And yes, they take a whole lot of shots from mid range uh, over the past couple of seasons this year, 33 last season, I believe it was 35, but just the fact that they got it up to 43, like that shows you what we've been talking about this show. It's like, those are the shots that the Heat want them to take. And you just look through, <laughs> I feel like most of them were probably campaign, right? Just all those damn floaters he put up. But it's, you know, it's testament to what they're doing in their game plan and following through with it. Well, it, it tells you too that they're listening to Spolster, which is, you don't know if a team's going to fracture when they're struggling early in the season. But when you put in a defensive philosophy and they execute it, even if it doesn't work, which is a possibility. If campaign makes a ton of those floaters, they lose the game, right? So that's that's kind of how this works. You have to give up something. You're making a decision on what to give up. Now they're going to be pacing a Toronto team that was without a bunch of their key guys. 
And so we'll talk a little bit when we come back, like how this works against some of the teams they're going to see here, Toronto, Washington, some of the teams that they're going to see on the trip. Before we do, I want to tell you about a couple sponsors of the five reasons sports network, our fantasy sponsor, I don't know if you wanted to play campaign last night or not. You couldn't play Dwayne Washington Jr., although you would have won if you could have gone over. But use the code 5, F-I-V-E, at prize picks. You get your initial deposit matched up to $100. This is free money. There's no rollovers. It's legal. This is an offshore. This is legal in the state of Florida. Prize picks. Download it from Google Play Store, Apple App Store. Go to prizepicks.com. Make sure you use that code F-I-V-E. Our betting sponsor is Better Edge. Use our product code for that one, 5RSN. That's the number 5RSN. Get $20, again, free to play. This is peer-to-peer betting, also legal in the state of Florida and 44 other states. Go to BetterEdge, B-E-T-T-O-R, edge.com. Enter our weekly competitions. I was the pacer on the NFL last week. I don't want to show you my results. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. What's the first thing you'd do if you had an extra hour in your day? Go for a run, take a nap, maybe check the stats of the latest Miami Heat game? I've got a better idea. A lot of us spend our lives wishing we had more time. The question is time for what? If time was unlimited, how would you use it? The best way to squeeze that special thing into your schedule is to know what's important to you and make it a priority. Therapy can help you find what matters to you so you can do more of it. I've benefited from therapy. I went through some life changes, major life events, had some difficulties, Wasn't a believer in therapy, but it helped me and it can help you also. So if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. So learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Miami Heat today to get 10% off your first month. Again, that's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Miami Heat. Um, let's get to the the uh, the forward-looking thing now, okay? So this team is 7-7. Seven and seven. It's not where they wanted to be, obviously, but I did feel that exhale a little bit last night. Um, I, was, I, I put a video with Caleb Martin up on the site. I had a few minutes with him alone. They just needed to get this thing stabilized. We remember two years ago, they were chasing 500 for a lot of that season. They kept they kept getting within one game and falling back, getting within one game. And then they ended up getting over it, and then they got swept in the first round. Nobody in the East has really run away. Okay, Milwaukee and Boston look like the two best teams right now. Milwaukee's going to get Middleton back. Philadelphia obviously has been banged up. I have not played to the expectations. Brooklyn doesn't know when they're getting, we don't know when they're getting Kyrie back. They just lost to the Lakers. Okay. Uh, and then there's other teams like Atlanta. Cleveland just lost, has lost four straight, a lot of close losses. So Miami's not poorly positioned right now, but looking ahead, Brady, how much can they deploy this? I mean, there's no Siakam for Toronto, right? They've got other guys out. So how, how do you guard, but they still have a lot of length on that team. How do they guard that team? Yeah. The thing about Toronto because they have a bunch of guys out. Like they have Siakam out, they have Precious out. Uh, Van Vliet and, and Gary Trent were out, I think, last night when they played, and they still ended up winning. But the thing about them is that I kind of think that they mostly switch against Toronto just because even though they're lengthy, they're all like the same height. Like they all do the same exact things that there's nobody that they, they're going to have problems with on the switch. So it feels like that they're probably going to switch at least half the time. Uh, but this is probably a team that you see a lot of zone against just because they're going to try to get certain outside shots against them because uh, obviously Scotty and OG and all these guys are good slashers. Uh, I know uh, 
their their young guy Banton just had like a 27 point game. And he's also another slasher. Like if they play zone, I think it'll kind of hurt them. But when you're talking about the back end of this road trip on this four game road trip, you have Cleveland and you have Minnesota. You have two of the two of the teams with that run the two like the big lineups. So obviously Mobley and Allen and Towns and Gobert. Uh, you're gonna have to play drop. <laughs> like you're this exact storyline that we're talking about. You have to do that because. Uh, it's weird because Minnesota is actually not even hasn't even been a great rebounding team and they're playing big, but you still can't, you cannot play this type of play style of switching and have go Baron town, just absolutely eat you up on the boards the entire game and get easy buckets because they're an offense that has struggled and giving them those easy second chance points just kills you. Like it really does. It's like that kind of hurts everything that you do. The issue is that I'm interested to see kind of the, the adjustments that they make because obviously Mitchell is an elite drop killer because he can just get to the middle of the floor you can say that you're cutting off the rim, but he does not care because he'll just go up with you and you get, he's the type of guy that will get foul calls against his game plan. He's not a, he's not a campaign. He's not somebody that's just going to sell for those type of uh, floaters. And then the other side, you have Anthony Edwards, who's kind of similar. Like, even though he's been up and down, Russell's going to get to that pull up. Anthony Edwards is going to be somebody that's going to attack. I'm interested to see because Russell's been inefficient. I know we're looking way ahead now. So this is like the final game of the road trip, but He's somebody that Miami would say, take the floater. <laughs> like That is exactly what Miami would do. And I don't know if this is a lefty thing because we saw Oubre campaign and then now Russell. But the, the idea that Russell's the type of guy that they would do this for, but basically the overarching point is that now that you're, you're playing a couple of these bigger teams and also Washington, uh, Porzingis and Kuzma, and then they have some length there as well. I, I think this is a thing where they, you're always going to find a defensive base. Like that's a, a, always – but I don't think that they have to. Like, I think that they just have to constantly shift from one thing to the other. Like, there's no reason to, to say that switching is our main thing or drop is our main thing. From game to game, they have to utilize those two things and zone as well. Like, zone is now a part of their base. It just has to be unpredictable because to start the season, my issue with them defensively wasn't much other than the fact that I felt like they were so predictable. The teams could say at any point in the game, you come guard me. Like, okay, Tyler, you come guard me. Duncan, you come guard me. Uh, and just clear out. So now they're getting to a point where from possession to possession, they can change things up. Uh, and I'll say the final thing with the drop, the other adjustment now that we could see next is the fact that if they do go drop, they can start playing Bam at the level of the screen. Like he doesn't have to just play back at the rim. He can start playing drop at the level of the screen. And that's when you really see Bam, how great he is defensively, because then he starts moving his feet, he's containing, and then everything kind of just breaks away from there. All right. I'm going to go rapid fire with you on a few things here, Alex, because I'm just curious for your thoughts. First thing that comes to mind. Okay. Are you concerned that the Heat are basically giving away this information? I mean, it's on tape, right? But, I mean, players actively saying, this is how we want to defend, watch campaign. Are, are you, or does, in your view, does it not matter? It's just about execution. I don't think it matters too much, but I will say, I don't think Spo would say that. I don't think Spo would get into all the detail. They're, they're just like, yeah, cool. We, we won three games in a row. I'll talk to you about strategy. No, but um, I don't think it's, problematic at all because of what Brady was just talking about there like they were already too predictable like them switching it up and mixing in all these different looks is exactly what I think we wanted to see and again what Brady was talking about earlier that's what makes Bam so special and again Spo went into this last night I mean it was just beautiful testimony to Bam's like uh you know versatility on defense and he was saying he can do all of these things and that's the point you want to see him in all these different coverages you want to see him problem solved because you have bam and not only bam you have jimmy butler you have other good defenders on the team problem solved for matchups now the thing is it's hard to do that 
I think throughout the regular season, even though I, you know, I would love for um, Spo to just switch it up all game, every game. I'm a little bit skeptical that he's going to keep doing that. But the thing is, is that he's kind of had to do it at this point because of, I think the position that they were in after starting off the season poorly. Um, I do hope we keep seeing it. I do. I, you know, I hope it's not just a, a thing that, you know, we only see in the playoffs where he's constantly mixing it up and switching it up based on matchups. I just think that the roster is built the way it is. You kind of have to do that. I think you kind of have to, and you have special defensive talents and good role players who can defend, you know, put them in the right positions. All right, but let me ask Ethan, you about one Ethan, other. Go ahead. You, I just want to say you talked about uh, giving away gameplay. I literally, Jimmy said the other couple of games ago when asked about, when I asked about Max, he was like, he does the same dribble move every time. And Max is like, thanks for giving them everybody the gameplay. So I don't think any of them care. Only Spo would be. Yeah. No, you're not getting you're not getting any more tidbits like this for the rest of the season. Just, well, just know I, that. I'll, I'll just say this. I'm going to get, I, I'm, I, well, I might get a text saying that we're getting a little too close to things here. I've gotten that one before. Uh, but let, let me ask you about this. I'll go to Brady on this one then. Because they're playing eight right now. Okay. They're not going to play the same way with Deadman, Deadman that they play with Bam. They still have the on-off problem with, with the numbers between Bam and Deadman. But he's playing eight. But there's a ninth that's coming back. Okay, Tyler's making the trip. How does he change this equation? Because Gabe has been playing a lot of those minutes, right? And there is a comfort level now defensively with Gabe and Kyle. And now you're plugging Tyler back in. Does this help you hide? Does this strategy help you hide Tyler or does this become problematic for Tyler? I think it can become problematic at times because let's say they roll out the closing lineup that they've been throughout the season where it's Kyle, Tyler, Max, Jimmy, Bam. It's harder to just ask those three guys to navigate screens and drop at the end of a game consistently because uh, as we saw Last few games with Tyler being out, Gabe or Caleb has been that guy at the end of the game. We've seen Gabe close every game, but last night was was Caleb, and he was doing the thing where it's kind of navigating screens. So it makes it a little bit tougher. Obviously, you have to now pinch in probably a little bit more than you used to. Like there's different ways you have to go about it, uh, but they have to guard up. Maybe they start going under on screens a little bit more, so he's not constantly chasing. But it definitely does change things. That's why it's interesting because now you're adding uh, different type of defenders to the mold. Where right now you're you're they got consistent with the same eight that they know who they have. Uh, so I'm interested to actually see that because maybe the only other thing I could say is, which I don't see happening because I see all these guys closing. Does Gabe or Caleb have a chance of closing even when they have this usual closing lineup back? See, that's the more interesting conversation to me than the one that I know heat fans want to have, which is the idea of whether Tyler should still start over Struess, which I know is where this is going. Like if the heat, if Tyler doesn't play in the next game and they win again and they go to four and zero with Max starting over Tyler, I, I know where this is going, but to me, the closing thing is more interesting because you can tell that Spo is comfortable with Gabe on the floor at the end of games and Caleb on the floor at the end of games, but you don't have the shot creation that you have with Tyler, but they came back from a 13 point deficit last night without that shot creation, largely because bam elevated in those situations and everybody fed off of him. So, you know, that's, that's the thing I'm looking at, 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 uh, at Alex's texts here on the, uh, on the chat. So basically, well, we'll get to that another time, but let's just, let's just, let's ask this question. I'll, I'll let Alex, I'll let you close on this. Okay. The Tyler conversation that we're about to have, I think on one of these podcasts, when he comes back, is, is it a bigger issue if they're going to play this kind of defense for him to close or is it a bigger issue 
because of the spacing stuff and everything else that we've seen now for him to start? That one's tough. Um, uh, I'm going to say to close because of the defense. I think that's still the bigger problem. I, I'm not too worried about the starting lineup stuff because I do think, you know, if you wanted to, you could start Max over Caleb and kind of try to see if the all offense stuff, you know, He's works. He's not doing that. Well, I'm just saying, I don't think. No, Tyler's I don't, I'm just saying, I, I understand it's an interesting suggestion. I've poked around on that. That's, that's not going to happen. I, I know we've talked about it. But he's not going to start both. He's not going to start Tyler with Max. I I, okay. I, don't, I don't see it. It's no. good to hear. I mean, not that it's good to hear you say it because I I want to see it, but it's good to know, you know, some of what how they feel because I was just think thinking of you know through that lens because I don't think Tyler's going to get benched again. Like I don't think we're going to go through the same thing that happened two seasons ago. Mm-hmm. You know, he got his money. He he earned the starting spot, and he hasn't been bad or anything like that. I think he's been good. It's just. You know, you look at some of the on and off data and it's, you know, a lot of the stuff that you see suggests that they're better when they have one of Duncan or Max on the floor. And I, you know, that was kind of my thing. It's like, try but to Alex, see can they works. do that if he just staggers quicker? In other words, if he makes his sub at six minutes into the game. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I think the rotations are way more important than the starting lineup and just mm-hmm. figuring out your rotations, your, what lineups you want to go to. I think that's way more important than who starts the closing thing is still up in the air because you just got to see what it looks like when he comes back like it's again I'm not going to say that they're better without Tyler or anything like that but obviously they've won the last three games without him they've got a little groove here so I'm interested to see um what the offense looks like and the defense um looks like when he comes back like I think it'll still be a similar game plan you know Tyler is good at knowing where to be let's see how effective it is I do think everything that we talked about today though um is going to help him out though because you know, like we talked about, if they're not going to be as predictable, then they, they can't easily hunt Tyler as much. And I sure. think like having Bam closer to the rim is going to help Tyler too. I think Tyler can navigate screens, not that he's a leader or anything like that, but I think he, he is capable of doing that, uh, you know, a handful of times a, a game other than just, you know, switching, they're still going to be switching plenty, but I do think, you know, them just mixing it up is going to make it easier on not only the team, but Tyler too. So we'll see, we'll see. Cause I don't think he gets benched again. I, can, I, I think you're right about that. I think the optics of benching him are bad, um, regardless of, of, of him already having gotten the money. I'll say this. When you talk to high-level Heat officials, they will always tell you that what matters is that Spo has at least five guys to seven guys he can close with, that that is the objective of their moves. It is to give him basically seven options at the end of games to close. It's not about giving him seven options to start. They, they, they care about the finishing of the game. And I also can tell you that they know they need one more four, okay, as an option to close games. They're only going to go get a guy if he can close, okay? It doesn't have to be all the time, but we saw Jay Crowder close. We saw P.J. Tucker close. It has to be a guy who can close. They're not going to go through a Trevor Ariza situation again where it's a guy who can't close. They're not going to – they will not give up an asset for that. But we already know they're not going to close with Duncan, Okay, we've seen that. That does not going to happen consistently. So I still think we're headed towards a move for a four at some point who could be added to the closing rotation. But I do think it's it's important that we've seen these minutes from Caleb and Gabe so that it's clear. And we know that 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 Spo trusts Max late. So they, they've got basically seven guys that they can close with right now if you throw Tyler into the mix. I just don't know that it's going to be guaranteed that Tyler's always going to close. I think it's guaranteed that Tyler's going to start that's the status symbol that he wanted. That's the one that, as you said, Alex, I think he earned. Um, 
but I don't, I think there's going to be games where if they're playing a certain way defensively and Spo doesn't think that Tyler is the best fit for it. I, I think you'll see Gabe out there or Max out there with Caleb. And that's the combination we're going to look at. All right. Check out Brady's article on the website. Thanks to our sponsors, better edge. Use that code five RSN. You can also use that for therapist preferred for 25% off manscape for 20% off. Uh, also prize picks, use the code five F I V and of course C dash arm and staffing.com. These guys could do this for another two hours. So I don't know. Maybe we'll just stream it at some point. Now, Alex is shaking his head right now. Have a good day, everybody. Thank you for listening to the five on the floor on the five regional sports network.